Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Listen to Paul's Impact. Houston's first radio show dedicated to people living with HIV, their friends and family, every Monday from 7.30 to 9.30 Central Standard Time on Real Talk 100 Radio. You can also find us on all social media under Paul's Impact. That's P-O-Z-I-M-P-A-C-T. And if you happen to miss our show, follow and subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can catch the latest episodes of Paul's Impact. Hey everybody, guess what? I'm disrupting the network marketing, or also known as the multi-level marketing industry as well. ATS Network, it is the brand newest multi-level marketing company that's getting so much media attention and breaking records all over the world. Why? I'll give you six reasons why. For one, it's free to join. That's right. If you want to make money with us, you don't have to pay a dime to join us. Number two, there's no auto ship. That means there's nothing that I'm charging you. And there's also no customer volume requirement. That means you don't have to order $199 worth of a product to get this, whatever, right? If you want all your residual income, it costs you nothing per month. 
whether it be auto ship or customer volume requirements for you to get in here. Number three, you don't have to pay monthly for your website. That's right. No $24.95 a month or all this stuff like that. Number four, there's no obligation or any incentive for you to recruit anyone. Now, I probably should have led with that. Let me say that again. I have the only network marketing company in the world in which you don't have to go out and get three to get three, get three, get three, and all that stuff like that. No recruitment whatsoever. Your mom, your grandmother, or the lady next door can do this. Number five, you never have to get promoted or recruit anyone to the to get the highest level of residual income. Since I don't have distributors and since I don't require you to recruit anyone, guess what? The moment you come in, you can get topped level residual income. And finally, you only have to be an active customer to make money with the company. Check out the show notes, probably the first link, Antonio T. Smith Jr. If you want to be one of the 100,000 millionaires that I want to create, this is where you should be, ATS Network. Link is in the show notes. Love you. You can plant better. You can dominate. Welcome to the Secret to Success Podcast. My entire goal with this podcast is to give you value. That is it. I am not interested in you buying from me. If you want to, you can, but that is not the goal here. If you, I do want you to go to the show notes for people that I interview because I do want you to buy from them or at least follow them. But I'm telling you, I am on a mission to create 100,000 millionaires. This podcast is part of that. Do yourself a favor and get everything that you deserve. Period. Point blank. I want you to get that. In this podcast, whether it be keynotes for me or interviews, millionaires, billionaires, it doesn't matter because we can't teach you anything you don't already know. You just forgot because the world made you forget. I love you. You got this. You're going to get this. This is your moment. This is you. Take notes. Listen to me on your commute. I don't care what you do, but this is yours. I do this for you. Like, if you're on a different platform, share it, subscribe to it, share this, because there's not many people out here doing this here. Got this. Ladies and gentlemen, back with another high-quality person. Her name is Amy Kaibo. I'm excited to introduce you all to her. She is amazing. She is a woman who's overcome one heck of a childhood all the way to becoming someone powerful and known as she shares her abundance. And today she will be talking with me about how to become successful. Amy, why don't you tell my audience the greatness that is you? <laughs> okay. Well, actually, it, it's very simple. Anybody can be successful, really. And it's not always simple to discover, but it's very simple to attain. It depends on your definition of success. To me, being successful is having a relationship with God, because with that entails a lot of things. If it's God that has given me a peace of mind and tell me of any successful person that wouldn't want a peace of mind to have no fear, no stress, no worries. With everyday life, that it can be scary, 
just if you know that God is in control, you basically will get a peace of mind. And not only that, but if you trust God and you believe that he will provide, you discover abilities you don't even know you have. I never imagined that without any legal education, I was able to reduce a a general master who was going to take away my daughter after seven years of custody battle. But when you have God, you just, in my case, I have no other choice but to believe that he will provide. He was the only one providing for me. So part of my success is everything that I went through. Had I not gone through the abuse that I went through or the custody battles, or the domestic violence, or my daughter almost getting killed and surviving, I would not have this, or almost dying and not dying, having a near-death experience, I would not have experienced all the miracles in my life, nor would I have discovered God's unconditional love. Because it was God's unconditional love that took away my shame, my guilt, my depression. Once I acknowledged God's unconditional love, I was finally able to experience true love because sometimes you can have everything in life. The perfect husband, great children, the house you always wanted, but you can be really sad inside. And it was God. It was God that took that away Because once you realize that God loves you, you learn to love yourself. And God exemplified this love in many different ways. Through my husband's love, through the love of those around me. But he kept proving to me so many different times that he loved me. That I finally learned to forgive myself and love myself. And when you love yourself... You learn who you really were. I was always the kind of person that I loved to do the right thing. So when you do everything to the best of your ability, I think that you can be successful daily. To me, success is a daily thing. If I've been helpful, if I've been able to make a difference, even if it means bringing a smile to someone's face, you never know what that can do for someone. Every little difference that you can make in the world, making your life worthwhile, because you don't know if you're here today and gone tomorrow. So if you can make the best of every day, do everything to the best of your ability, learn to appreciate things, because that's another thing God does. All the blessings you didn't even realize before, you know that you have them now. And you see them, and a grateful heart is a happy heart. To walk daily, grateful for everything. And then when you experience true love, and you experience God's love, you're able to share it among others. Then you realize what love is all about. And what life is all about, that love is truly the answer to everything. And God really, at least for me, was the only cure. That's amazing.
That's amazing. But Amy, you gave us so many great talking points, and we're going to talk about all of them. Let's double back to love is the cure for everything, if if you don't mind, because um, I can hear the love in you. I can feel your vibration. Can you break down for our audience how love is the cure for everything? Well, love was the answer to all of my problems. It took my husband's unconditional love to be understanding, to be patient, to not give up on me, to know that I was worthwhile even when I didn't believe it. Uh, it's, I needed to love myself, not to feel bad, not to yeah. feel depressed, to know that I was worthy in God's eyes and that I was worthy and that he loved me. And it was important for me to know that he loved me because depression kept me from even doing daily activities. It had me addicted to drugs turning to the wrong people, thinking negatively because I was convinced of the enemy's lies. But if God loved me, I couldn't be that bad. Then I can love myself. And loving myself helped me realize that I had the ability to love others. And not only that, but to love others unconditionally, even those who have hurt me even those that don't love me, to love enough to forgive them. Maybe not enough to want to know them anymore, but at least to forgive them and to have that peace of mind. And so when I treat things with love and when I see things in a loving way, it takes away any anger, any frustration, any misconceptions. It's, It's a daily remedy for basically anything. Even when you have a conversation. I remember a a friend of mine once told me, oh, I have a master's in communication. And I thought, oh, of all the important, you know, uh, uh, people to be a doctor, a lawyer, a master's in communication, what can that get you? And I thought it was silly. I was young. I was pretty young working at Hooters. But then I realized that communication is Everything, how you treat others is everything. And that's where love comes into play. And if if you care enough to be kind, to think of the other person's feelings, you can say the exact same thing in such in just with different words, in a better way, in a nicer way. It's not about being political or PC. It's about caring enough to to think about the other person's feelings or how you would like them to to say it to you. And so then people treat you better and circumstances are better. When you cook something with love, it tastes better. It's just the mm-hmm. answer to everything. <laughs> yeah, yep, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. There's one, one of my favorite people on planet Earth. Well, he's He's going to be back with Source, but Stuart Wilde is one of the most fantastic people that that has just ever graced this planet. And in his book, Little Money Bible, also known as Ten Laws of Abundance, he talks about the light. 
and you just kind of spoke up on it. He talks about how this man had a little bakery baking cookies, and there was all these big bakeries, but they were never as successful as the man with the little bakery. The shop was nothing. The decorations inside was nothing. It was the same cookies, but his line every day was out the door and around the corner and around the corner of the corner every day because people had no idea that the reason they loved his shop so much is because he baked all the cookies with delight. They had no idea that they were just, they were fiending. They were attracted to what was vibrating off of him. What would you say to that? Because you are absolutely correct when you say things just takes better when you cook with love. What would you say to all that? Well, there's this little um, gasoline station by where I work, and they they cook great food. And there'll be times that, you know, days are stressful or you're just not, you're just feeling down. You don't know why. And you, I walk in there, and she just gives me the smile and seems so happy to see me. It just melts it all away. I just, I forget whatever it is I was you know, bothered about it. Just, it's like, oh, forget it. You know, here's the real picture. You know, there's a much bigger picture. And not only that, I mean, there'll be times that we do need each other, but how about when you're alone and when life seems monotone or when you're doing everything right or those days where you just don't feel God or when you wake up because you've had a nightmare and you haven't slept well and you don't feel well so that then you turn on you know the music on Alexa you play series and dance dance monkey comes on dance monkey I can just imagine God think it's saying that I want to see I'm begging you to dance I want to see you dance and trying to make you happy because God said be courageous and of good cheer and you know music really does it for me God doesn't need to speak to me directly. It's just that music, that feeling. I know that song doesn't need to play. It doesn't need to be the first song that comes on. And it's just little things like that, that God just assures you or assures us that he loves us. Yeah, that is true. That is true, which is a perfect segue into you have a true memoir. Love is the answer, God is the cure, right? It's like a perfect segue. Love is the answer, God is the cure. Tell us about this amazing true memoir that you have that is about unconditional love and also betrayal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a very honest um, memoir only because – I felt I needed to be. I I got the idea when I was, naturally, I like to be honest, but I got the idea while I was praying a rosary, and um, it was just, I'm not an author. I barely read, but I got this idea, write that book you were told to write when you were 15. Because when the case from hell came about and all the children My mother had nine children, but all of us were removed from the house, and I went to uh, psychiatric hospitals. One technician, I didn't talk much, I didn't talk to anybody, but one technician 
kind of knew me well, and he said, if anything you do, write a book about your life. And I thought, unlikely. <laughs> but when I was 43, now I'm 45, mm-hmm. I, I get the idea and I follow through. And so every morning from that from that moment on, I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning without an alarm clock, without writer's block, and I type away until about 7 o'clock in the morning when everyone wakes up, just typing away as much as I can remember and as much as I can put down. It was also a pivotal point in my life because I didn't realize that this would be the beginning of my healing process. Unbeknownst to me, I'm very good at minimizing things and making pretend they don't exist. But unbeknownst to me, this was able to open up another um, another dimension, I guess, where I was able to relive a lot of the past that I had not thought about. My stepfather came into my life when I was three, and by the time he was done with me, I was 15. That's when the sexual abuse ended, and my mother would beat me and was emotionally abusive. But, you know, even through all that, I, I realized that, you know, life, I was suicidal at some times. I thought to myself, and I thought, I was trying to be suicidal because there was times that I thought it wasn't worth living. And I went through very, very bad depression. And there were times I I even thought that I did enough drugs that they would kill me because I thought if I killed myself, I would go to hell. I can't do that. (laughs) And it almost did happen. It almost did happen. And um, it almost did happen three times. One time I actually left, saw black, completely black. But I was at complete peace and tranquility. And I didn't want to come back. I was very happy where I was going. But life didn't matter. Family, drama, nothing. Nothing mattered. And it was just like I, it was, I was a clean slate, and it didn't matter, and I was at so much peace. But I had been doing cocaine for three days, and whoever was holding me said I had turned blue and stopped breathing. And when he started mentioning my daughter, which was maybe three years at the time, I was going through two years of custody battles. I came back, and my feet were spaghetti. I I took a deep breath. I had a hard time getting my breath back, and... But I, I and I hated coming back for those three days for for uh, for about like two days. I was yeah. so angry that I came back. I wanted to be where I was, but I knew my little daughter Danielle needed me, and I had no one in the world. And now I'm starting to realize more the purpose of it all and why I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah. But it it was just it was a realization that. God is always there, and even all the bad things I did in life, because I did go astray, God was always there, and he always stuck stuck around, Yeah. and he always took me back, and he always forgave me. He showed me that unconditional love, and finally, when I wrote my book, I was able to find that place of healing. I felt safe enough, and I knew that I can do it. And it was then that I realized that 
the best thing that I can do is to, I knew that it was scary, but the best thing that I can do is to offer to other people my story to see if I can help them. And, and, and it was a difficult type for me writing the book. I had physical pain, stomach pain. I had to do ketamine infusions. I needed some extra help. But it also helped me realize once I wrote my book because of the, all the reviews that my story did help people, that my feeling that it would help others, even though it would, angry, it would make many people angry, a few people angry anyway, because I wrote real names and real descriptions. I realized that I was able to, at this time, I realized that I was helping people and that was the greatest feeling in the world, knowing that what I had gone through was not in vain, that it was an instrument for helping others, that it made me who I was, that it helped me become more understanding, that it helped me become the person that I was. Had I not been the right person, my husband would not have been married to me for 20 years. Yes, you're right. And, and so because I realized that I can help others, it helped me realize my purpose. My pain then turned into purpose. And I found other ways to help others. With the radio show, The Cure, where I invite inspirational speakers there's great testimonies. There's people that are experts in the field or that are helping others, just bringing awareness to causes, to people, to different um, p- things that people suffer from, different ways that they can be helped, different ideas. And it helped me realize that I had a purpose beyond just raising my children and going to work and helping others. But I had learned I had to learn to be different, to be kind when it's not expected, to do to not just do something right, but do my best and see what else I can do for someone else. Just go the extra step. And that's good. That's that's I'm 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 so intrigued by you. I'm I'm so let, let me just say this to our audience. I'm so grateful for your energy, Amy. It, it is amazing because you don't know it, or maybe you do, but I spent my entire childhood homeless, um, raped and molested at six, and I'm highly successful today, but that's not how it started because <laughs> it started with <laughs> homelessness and rape and molestation. And I spent, I think, eight years in a dumpster, in a trash wow. city dumpster. Yeah, yeah. Well, today it makes me famous. Then it was my prison, right? Right. And yet it was the way I described it. Somehow God jumped in my strategic thinking because I had no concept of God whatsoever. None. (laughs) And I was never raised. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was never raised. Wow. And he allowed me, God God allowed me to somehow see God and I walked my way out that situation, but God was always there. So my question to you is, picture this six-year-old 
African-American kid in the middle of the worst of worst ghettos, homeless, 54 pounds, failed the fifth grade and the sixth grade because of being homeless and have put himself through school. And I don't know then that it's love that's going to bring me out. If you would have met me or if you would be a bird's eye view, what message would you have for me and all our listeners about your message and my situation? Wow, that's a heavy question to never give up because as long as you're alive, you have a chance. And God is always there. And nothing, nothing is impossible for God. I wasn't supposed to make it. My brother is homeless. I was, nobody believed I would make it. Everyone was afraid to know me. Not even my own sisters would speak to me. I only speak to one sister, granted. But until I was 27 years old, everyone was afraid to know me. I had gone through too much. Yes, my parents were doctors. I was supposed to come from a great family. But I had gone through way too much. And once people had discovered what I had gone through, they were afraid to know me. Now, my brother was beat by my stepfather maybe a couple, two or three times that I can remember. And he's homeless. So the thing is, Don't give up on yourself because if God loves you, imagine you having loved anyone, having loved your child, or having loved a significant other. You'd want the best for them. You'd want them to take care of themselves. You'd want them to be happy. You'd want them to look at, find, look at the bright side of things. Find the best, you know, look at the best part of it. There's always a good side to every situation. And Yeah, I completely agree. And because God will put someone in the way, I'm sure like he did with you, that talked to you about God or mm-hmm. that made you feel happy or that gave you a lending hand, maybe gave you food, something that helped you to give to others. And all that is great. I mean, right now I have goosebumps because I was homeless too. Yeah. Yeah, so you get it. Yeah, definitely. There was a time I hated love. And this is a terrible thing to say, and I know it. But I was so jacked up in that whole process. And I mean, I was just... I was all sorts of lost. I, I can't even express the loss that I was. And, Amy, you would come to me and tell me something good. And since you tried to love me, I hated you for it. And if you had parents, I hated you for that because my whole thought process was, how can you love me and my own parents don't love me? And while that is why some people in our audience are going to say, wow, that's me, it was my reality. I could not accept anybody's love because deep in my head, I had convinced myself that my parents don't love me. How can you love me? 
I would love to hear your advice or even your own experience or whatever you want to say in free thought to the energy that is that situation. What would you tell me? What would you say? What advice can you give? <laughs> well, first of all, I'd, I'd find it very interesting that you are homeless at six years old. That stuff's not supposed to happen in the United States. Now, yeah. having bad parents, I can believe that. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I, was, I saw things a little differently. Once I became homeless at 15, I felt like I needed parents, but I realized immediately that the only parents I had was God and the Virgin Mary. And those were my parents. But I was convinced that even God didn't love me because so many bad things happened. Because when my, okay, let's say, all right, from 3 to 15, sexually abused. And uh, once I started, became an adolescent, physically beat and gone through foster homes and raped and things like that. And it was just something always constantly bad things happening. And then when I have a child, the first, the first idea of happiness, the first time I experienced something so wonderful. And then a year later, I'm in fighting custody battles. And then when you think three years is enough or four years is enough, now it's five years and I'm thinking, and this, the father's attacking me very, very strongly three or four times a year. And now he's married and his wife is attacking me too. And I thought to myself, and then I was forced to do an abortion and I went to three nuns and I read the story of Job and the nuns, all they wanted, all the help I received was read the story of Job and that didn't go well either. And then I hated myself for that. And I'm thinking, well, okay, it's been really, really long, but Job eventually got a break. And I'm thinking, oh, God must not love me. Because there's, I don't, but I always kept God close because either way, I had no other choice. He's all I had. Mm -hmm. So I turned to him and I suffered with him. But even when I was high with my friends, I'd talk about God and my friend would make fun of me. There goes Amy talking about God again. Or I'd be high and I'd be crying to God, rescue me from this hell. You know, God was always there, but I wasn't doing what was right by me. And I had to start doing what was right by me. And then that transferred into doing what was right by others. And it was when I was I actually loving myself and I was proud of myself that I learned to have a peace of mind. And it takes it took me a long time. It isn't always easy. I pray for those that are still struggling. And it's sometimes I can understand someone like you that could not accept love because for a long time I could not accept if I was upset or I was not doing well. My husband could not be there for me. He could not hug me. He could not. No, I was used to dealing with things on my own and I didn't yeah. deserve this love. 
And sometimes I would even subconsciously push them away because it's self-sabotage. When you hate yourself, you love to self-sabotage. Yeah, buddy. You know, I deserve for him to hate me. <laughs> Let me make yeah. that happen. <laughs> That's right. Right. That's, That's right. why I call him my saint. <laughs> That's why I nickname him my saint. Because he had to have been to, you know, to survive me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I've, I've got. I've always said I'm the worst person to be in a relationship with, right? I, I've had to overcome a lot of my own demons to actually coexist with other people. One more thing that you brought to mind, I'll just use me as a lens and let you respond to it. I also, when I was introduced to God, finally, I couldn't, I, it's not that I couldn't grasp the concept. It was well, let me start at the end. Today, I believe, well, it's not I believe. I see God as this adopting God, just pulling people into God's family. Oh, you're lost. Come here. I love you so much. Come. Now, that's not wrong. I, what I left out my story is I ended up getting adopted at 14, and I had to age out of CPS custody at 18. So adoption is a really big deal for me. And my lens of how I got saved from being homeless and, and from the streets came through adoption. So adoption is a big deal. Therefore, when I think of God, I think of God as adopting people like me, right, into this, this great love. So I want to ask you, what happened, though, before is I couldn't relate to God because People were telling me God is a father. Well, I I had serious father issues, right? And then God is this loving <laughs> mother, and I had some more serious mother issues. I had I had bigger mother issues than I had father issues because although my father was absolutely insane and abusive, he kept trying to get off drugs and kept trying to come back. My mom never came back for me. To this day, still never came back for me because this is the time when crack cocaine comes through the, the hood and it just wipes everybody out. So my question to you is how, I mean, what would you say to that? Like, I can't even relate to God because the, my understanding of love and my paternal parents have jacked my head up to me not even being able to relate to what you're calling love. What would you say to someone as as lost as I was? Well, I wouldn't be as blunt as I plan to be now, but <laughs> one thing one thing doesn't have to do with the other. Um, you know, it's like a misconception of millennial. If you were a very you're the parent that didn't show the kid any boundaries or anything like that, and then mm -hmm. the kid turns out to be responsible or something, then you're like, oh, it's a millennial thing. No, <laughs> just because your kid wasn't, you didn't raise your kid right, or your That's kid right. happens to be different, doesn't mean all of them are like that. So I would use right. the same, you know, the same thing, analogy, like, well, you know, and you know, thinking of God and the Virgin Mary or parents or mother and father, God is not really a 
person. He's a relationship. He's a, you know, and a relationship, He that can be your your parent because he's loving and he adopts you. It can be your lover. It doesn't have to be anything sexual, but it's the your most closest confidant. You know, it's it's a relationship. It's not so much a a label. You know, and sometimes we label things. And yeah. we have to see things in an individual in a, an individual way. In a unique way. Just like everyone's different. Not everyone. Even though we all look alike and we're all composed of the same things, we all have different fingerprints. And we all have different minds and different souls. And so the one thing we all have in common is the ability to love. Mm-hmm. We all have it in it because we're made in God's image. And so we're part of God. We're part of Christ. So anything is possible, anything that you want to do, as long as it's, it's, it's God's will, as long yeah. as it's in his plan, I mean, you'd be amazed what your yeah. abilities are, what you're capable of, as long yeah. as you're in the, going in the right direction, doing the right thing. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, of course, I don't think any of these things today, I'm actually on the other side of all that lostness, but I had to get through it. Right? There's no way. I mean, I had to get through it. And when you are in what they call urban environment hood, and both of your parents are crackheads, and you are a kid running away from temporary foster homes, they just leave you. They either arrest you for truancy, at least in Texas, and they just leave you, and you become this just troubled child that they have marked for juvenile detention and then you're at your own devices and and such was my life today i believe separation is an illusion we're all connected there is no us it's just one we're 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 one with christ there you go so won't you uh, explain that to our audience because i I believe they would love to hear um, your views on that (laughs) well we're christ creation. We're God's creation. So we're all made in the likeness of Christ. And God loves us all equally. I mean, I can understand what it's like to stray away. I, believe it or not, you may not know this, buddy, but I'm a felon. (laughs) Nice. That makes you cool. We got to get a beer together That's it. We got to get a beer together now, Amy. That's it. Beer on me. (laughs) You know, my felony charge is that I was going to go to a black neighborhood to buy crack. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And, you know, and... That's the thing. Uh, I was, um, oh, Jesus, I'm a felon because I got caught buying crack. But I was buying a big amount. I was buying 200, but it was a DEA. It was a stakeout. It was like five or seven police cars. Like I'm the biggest criminal. (laughs) And, you know, the funny (laughs) thing is that was maybe the third time me getting it. So anyhow, 
they they surround me, behind me, beside me. They park in front of me. I'm freaked out. I don't know what's going on. I'm crying. I'm like, oh, I would never do this. And I, I don't mean to do mm-hmm. this. And I don't know how to explain it to them. But I'm shackled. I go to jail. I see my dealer not too far away from me, two seats from me. And we spent about most of the night in a holding cell with about 40 other girls or women, you know. And um, no, that didn't stop me. I still did after that. What stopped me was realizing, I think it was a whole two weeks that I was doing it like nonstop. And I thought to myself, this is really, really dangerous. This is really strong. This is crazy. I see how this is affecting my family. And it was my love, again, answer to my problems, my love for my family and my husband and to see what I was putting them through. I told my husband, hey, babe, don't you miss working as a doctor? Let's go back to Bulgaria. That's where you know everybody, your family there. You can work as a doctor again. And immediately we pack up and leave. I left the country. (laughs) Good for you. Good for you. So, but I returned two years later. I didn't last long. The cold, forget it. I'm from Miami. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing. That's how I was able to get over that. But that's how I'm a felon. And there was a time that I hated America because I thought that freedom was was a hoax. How can they allow somebody to to harass you and take you to court over and over again on frivolous accusations? That you know, how how is this possible? It lasted 14 years. I thought mm-hmm. the system is broken. You think there's justice, but there really isn't. People, as long as they have money, they can torture you to the legal system. Mm-hmm. But I learned that, you know, life isn't perfect and there's disappointments and that's yeah. just things that happen. But there's also wonderful things and beautiful things in life. And sometimes we focus on the bad things or the shortcomings or the things that don't go well. And we don't take notice of all the wonderful things and all the beautiful things in life that go well. Or when your kid is doing their homework and they do good, but one time they get a bad grade and you focus on that bad grade, but you forget to congratulate them for all the good times that they did good things or that they had uh, they did good work, or that one time that your kid doesn't listen, you get frustrated, but you don't, but you forget to acknowledge all the times that they did listen to you. You expect that that's a given, and you don't realize that they too need encouragement, even when they don't expect it. That's right. That's right. I completely agree with that. Amy, you are a source of light. That is what you are. That is how I see you. You are fantastic. What would you say? I don't even have a direction for you. I'm just going to let you have the rest of the show. This is the this is the Amy show. In fact, you can turn this in to your your show. What's the name of your your your, your radio show? Love is a cure, right? I think that is from my research. The cure. It's actually the cure. Right. it's actually the cure. The, the cure, cure can be anything. It could be uh, anything, but for 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 my show, it's not conventional. It's not medicines. It's more like um, it's therapeutic. It's ideas. It's it's really great ideas. We've talked about meditation. We've talked about yoga, 
I even had a guest that talked about how to heal others just by thinking positive, even from other places of the world. It just really neat ideas. And also brings awareness to things that are happening yeah. in the world because once people are educated, they can help. Well, Amy, this is now the cure, okay? It's your show. I'm out your way. You can do what you want, talk about whatever you want. You're so amazing. It doesn't make sense for you to be restricted within my question. So I'm backing off. You have some goodness you want to share with us. So right now, the rest of this show is completely yours. Won't you just tell us and teach us some stuff? We are we are at your feet listening to your knowledge. You go ahead. Have your way. <laughs> well, it's not really my knowledge. I ask God for wisdom. I'm not dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Smart move. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, You know, yeah. basically. Talk about whatever you want what? to talk about. Well, basically what I want to say is that success is not, it's not an object. It's, it's just being happy to be alive, content with everything, grateful, uh, proud of the way that you treat others or the way that you react, especially when it's not expected. And for me, it all started with having a relationship with God. I had it in me. I was a much better person when I was a kid. I'm trying to get there again. <laughs> I think that's why what yeah. God means by uh, to be to enter the, the kingdom of heaven, you have to be like a child. Not literally be a child. But children are so beautiful. They're so innocent. They don't look at the negative things. They don't think negative they're just wonderful people. So basically for me, my success was having God in my life because it brought to me peace of mind. I don't worry about anything. I don't stress anything. I know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck. And I know what it's like to have and have not. And the one thing that I know that has been constant in my life is that I have always had God. And I also realized that when I did not have, I was still happy, even though I was suffering, because I had God. I had many happy moments, unless you go into a depression, of course, then you're in for it. But I always realized that I could be happy when I'm poor, and I can be happy when I'm rich. Under the yeah. same token, I've been with I've been with a very rich guy and been very unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I've been poor and I've been happy. So th- there's no to say. I mean, you can look at the sad tragedy of Robin Williams. You never yeah. know. Sometimes you can have it all and be really unhappy. And the times that I've been successful, the times that I've had a peace of mind, the times that I've been happy are the times that I have, have, have had God in my life. The times that I have gone astray is the times that I've experienced hell, that I know what yeah. it's like to really suffer, to really be in a bad place. But to have a relationship with God today, to know that there's nothing that worries me, that nothing scares me, not even death itself. 
that even if I feel bad, I know it's pickpocket or if things go wrong, or it will pass. Any, if anything worse at all, I go to sleep. It's better later. Why? Because I believe God will help me. Why do I believe that? Because I have a relationship with God. Why do I believe I have a relationship with God? Because I'm living my life by him. I'm doing what's right by him. I am being kind to others. I'm I'm doing good things. I'm giving it my best shot. And so that all in combination, having a relationship with God, having a peace of mind, believing in him that he will provide, knowing that he's in control, trusting him. There's, I no longer go through where I thought that I was an introvert. I'm not an introvert. I never was when I was a kid. Those are the things that our environment that we learn to believe. I'm not weak. I've always been strong. I'm not broken. I'm constantly learning. So even when things go wrong, I'm okay with it. Hey, and suffering isn't that bad. It's another part of life. It's learning. So it's changed my way of looking at things. It's helped me realize abilities I didn't have before. It's given me a peace of mind when life can always be scary no matter what. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Something can always happen. So to me, that was success because it doesn't matter where I am in life. It doesn't matter what I have in, in, in life. It, it matters whether or not I have love in my life. Most importantly, that I'm also loving myself. Because if you don't love yourself, you don't love others. And if you have love in your life and you love others, you have peace at home, you have peace at work, then you're successful. That's good. To me, it's not a monetary thing. It's where you are, a place in your heart, where you are in life and how you feel because having suffered, having PTSD and suffered major depressions, I've learned that feeling has a lot to do with things. And so it can be quite debilitating and how you look at the world and how you feel about things. Everything changes for the better, no matter what it is you're lacking. Even if life is still challenging, if you have God in your life. Yeah. So, you know, when you think nothing else will will work or or you're at the point where you're going to give up, give God a try. It's worth a try. Because if I can just explain to anybody how horrible, how terrible it is not to be with God, and I know some of us already know it, and then the big difference of how wonderful life is today that I didn't even believe it was possible I can be this happy. Yeah. And you're super happy. And it sounds like yes. having a lot, having a little, Amy's still going to be happy. It's amazing. It's amazing. One more thing for me, Amy. I've 
I'm very intrigued, and I want people to know about this here. You have a prayer circle. Can you explain to us? Um, and I have it in, ladies and gentlemen, I have how you can join her prayer circle in the show notes. It's there. It's uh, all her links, book, social media, YouTube page. I got everything in the show notes. It's there. So you just go to show notes and click. But she's going to explain to you about the prayer circle and the heart of the prayer circle. Oh yes, this is my latest my latest thing, my latest project. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I I do a uh, prayer. Uh, I go on Facebook Live and YouTube and uh, all social media at six o'clock on um, Wednesdays, and I say a prayer, uh, a general prayer. Sometimes I I pray for people that have asked. And I say a little testimony, and I pray for them. And it's about 10 or 15 minutes, but I can pray for anyone. Um, And I ask for them to, what would they like me to pray about, if if not just them, if it's a certain subject or a topic. And I I try to say the prayer as heartfelt as possible (laughs) so that God can hear me. That's beautiful. Amy, you are a beautiful soul. You remind me of one of my very, very, very favorite people. And I mean this in the highest compliment possible. You remind me of Neil Donald Walsh. I love him. I love him a whole lot. And your energy is, yes, your energy and his energy. Thanks. You're a beautiful person too, by the way. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's thank amazing you how God can can turn a tragedy into a blessing. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah, and, and you know what? And to be honest with you, I'm glad you said that because I wouldn't be anything that I am today if I wasn't broken, right? My brokenness has, I, I would like to call it gracefully broken, right? It's a tragedy. But I have a huge heart for people, and I'm on a mission now to create 100,000 millionaires because I want to create, I want to raise the collective consciousness of this universe, and the way the light shines in me is I understand if I get 100,000 good people and make them 100,000 millionaires, then they would do good things with a lot of good money, Right. And that's mm-hmm. just my mission on life. That's my mission. It's not about the money. It's about the good people doing the good things with that money. And I wouldn't ever think about that if I didn't come from poverty, you know? Well, you know, in my mind, I am a millionaire. And think about oh, people that are successful. Tim Tebow, yeah. he found God. Uh, and, and Selena Gomez, she yep. found God. Look at Kanye. He found yep. God. Yes, and you know these are very successful people that have seen it all, that been around, that, and well, you know, and another thing that I notice about people that I see on TV, people that are successful, people that become actors and they make it, or or even commentaries or talk shows or anything like that, they're very nice to each other. They're very, they have a positive outlook in life. They're very happy people. So that's, I think that's part of how they got successful. They say it's about, you know, well, they must have been really nice to that person they know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's that's not just right. about who you know. 
because you can know people, but it's how you treat people. You don't get far in life if you are the typical person that loses your temper easily or has no tolerance or, you know, I don't think you get very far in life that way. No. I notice most successful people happen to be positive people. (laughs) That's right. No, no, that's absolutely right. I don't know if... I mean, I don't know of anyone who's successful as a negative person. Do you? No, no, just maybe one or two, and that, and they're all the way negative. So it, it works for them, right? They're super, you know, consistently super negative. <laughs> but, you know, but ninety-nine percent of the people that I know are kind-hearted people, just like yourself. And uh, yesterday, I, I was fortunate enough to. I mean, like you said, God is just good, right? I was fortunate enough to sit at a table, sign a multi-million dollar deal with some multi-millionaires, and I couldn't afford to leave the city limits. Now I I do deals in different countries, right? And I, I travel probably too much and all sorts of stuff. And I'm the guy crazy enough. Like I'm getting, I'm starting a talk show, not a talk show, a TV show. In which I'm wow, just gonna pass nice. out hundred. Yeah, I'm gonna pass out hundred dollar bills. Like that's that's the premise of this TV show. Is I'm just gonna find random people and I'm just gonna pass out hundred dollar bills and and let the magic happen. Like that's what I, you know, yeah. when you right, yeah, that's gonna be amazing. And crazy, too. <laughs> it's going to be like the most expensive show that I've ever done. But it, either way, but no, but it's just, you're right. You're, you're spot on. Abundance is who you are, not not what you have. And who if who you are is abundant, then that money, those those resources, they'll find you. And that's why we found Amy. I applaud you. You're, you're, you're beautiful. I'm sure my publicist is going to reach out to you. You're absolutely beautiful and amazing. Nice. I don't have anything else. I will put this episode up as fast as possible. But if you want to give some final words to our audience, you're more than welcome. Okay. Well, I just want to let you know, much love, everyone, and God bless. Keep up the good fight. <laughs> there it is. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plant better. You can dominate. I have felt so much in life. I've been so evil. I've done everything in life to mess it up. And I have. I have completely messed this life up. And then I changed. And then I started applying things that I didn't know but I always knew you call it the law of attraction or maybe you don't or maybe you're religious and maybe you're not here is what I know I know that we all have a karmic debt to pay off and I have either paid mine off or almost off And now I dedicate my entire life to you. Please know that as my life is dedicated to you, it means I get beat up a lot. But that's what this is about. It is about people like me putting their gains at risk for you. 
crazy thing about life is once we get enough, whatever enough means, if you're a politician, it's enough votes, someone likes money, enough money, whatever enough is, a pastor, enough members, we tend to protect it. This podcast is not about protection, it's about you. I sincerely believe in you. I know you're going to be it. I know you're going to do it. Whatever that is for you, there are no mistakes. I want you to share this podcast, but not for personal gain. I want you to share it because I am giving you my every being so you can turn around and do the same for others. I give away me. And then you give away you. I lower me so you can stand on my shoulders and then you return the favor and you lower yourself so someone else will stand on your shoulders and then voila. No one is lower than the other because we've all lowered ourselves. Finally, the music in this podcast that you're going to hear, I hope it gets stuck in your head. It's actually from my favorite movie, Cloud Atlas. It's a cover, it's not the original version, but it sounds just like it. Cloud Atlas is a great movie by the Wachowskis. My second favorite movie is The Matrix, but that has nothing to do with this right now. It is about repeating the same mistakes. And so I'm hoping subconsciously that as you repeat the same mistakes, Cloud Atlas is mostly about ascending from those mistakes. So I'm hoping the words, the music, the melody, everything helps you ascend to where you're supposed to be, which is where you've always agreed you wanted to be before you got there. I love you. This is the secret to success law of attraction. I really, really know that this will be a blessing, a lifesaver to many people. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can't plan better. You can dominate. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world. Not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions, $22 an hour, paid training, and I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True, but it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter, and that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture and there are so many different things that you can do this summer 
As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if, the, if, it's, if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out, uh, review, and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about? Well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. All spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R E C. Aura, U-I-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.